Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 1 this morning in your Bible or your Bible app. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John is located close to the very end of the New Testament. The last book of the New Testament is the book of Revelation. And if you go to the left, you'll hit 3 John and then 2 John and 1 John. We want 1 John chapter 1, and I'd like to share some of these verses with you. First seven verses of the chapter. John writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him, While we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And that's where I'd like to just hit the pause button for a second. If we walk in the light, as he, Jesus, is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. So there's this horizontal uh, perspective and being in relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with one another, and vertically, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So to walk in the light of Jesus means that we reflect God's perfection in the human sphere to one degree or another. This includes both correct doctrine, in other words, believing properly, and it also includes moral holiness, good living, right living, good decisions, purity. It includes correct doctrine and moral purity. It talks about truth and holiness, walking in the light. And one of the benefits, of course, of walking in the light of Jesus is this idea of progressive Cleansing from sin. So it happens not just just the day that I invite Jesus Christ to forgive my sin and I become a Christian, but it progresses through our lives. The blood of Jesus keeps on cleansing us from all sin. And that's how that verse could literally be translated. It's 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 in the present tense. So this blood keeps on cleansing us from all sin. So if we know Jesus and we love Jesus if we have believed in Jesus and we're walking in the light that he provides, then the blood of Jesus keeps on cleansing us from all sin. That's encouraging, isn't it? It didn't just happen then, and those sins back then are forgiven. It happens today and tomorrow and next week and and, and next month and next year for as long as Jesus tarries. This is the ongoing effect of the death 
of Jesus on the cross. His blood makes us clean. Gives us life. In his book titled Written in Blood, Robert Coleman, a former professor of mine, tells a story of a little boy whose sister needed a blood transfusion. The doctor explained that she had, she had the same disease that her brother had recovered from two years earlier. And her only chance for survival, her only chance for recovery, was to have a blood transfusion from someone who had the same disease and built up the right antibodies and, and immunity. And since the, the children were exactly the same blood type, this little girl's brother made an ideal donor. So the doctor asked him, would you be willing to give your blood for your sister Mary? Christopher hesitated. <laughs> he was just a little guy, didn't understand all that it meant. He hesitated. His bottom lip started to tremble a bit. His eyes flooded with tears. He was trying to find words to speak, and then a moment later, just a crack of a smile passed his lips, and he said, yes, for, for my sister, I, I'd be willing to give my blood, yes. And so they made all of the necessary medical preparations, <clears throat> at the hospital where the procedure was to take place. And soon the two children were wheeled into the operating room and placed on, on, in the right spots. Mary was pale and thin. Christopher, healthy and robust. Neither of them spoke, but when Christopher saw his sister and their eyes met, he smiled to encourage her. And then the nurse inserted the needle into his arm, and his smile faded. <laughs> and it took quite a while. He watched the blood flow very slowly out of his arm in the tube, and the process took some time, and the doctors were very careful, and the nurses were very cautious. And with the ordeal almost over, Christopher's shaky voice finally broke the silence, and he said, Doctor, um, when will I die? And in that moment, the doctor realized that Christopher had made this very brave decision, thinking that he would have to give up his life in order for his sister to have his blood. But Christopher didn't have to die to save his sister. He just had to give his blood. Each of us, however, has a condition that is much more serious than Mary's, much more serious than hers, and it required Jesus not to give just his blood, but he had to give up his life. And we were spiritually dead, the Bible says. Patty read that scripture from uh, Ephesians chapter 2 earlier. We were dead spiritually, dead, dead. And dead men don't respond to anything, they're dead. Spiritually dead. But Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, even though we're dead, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, 
so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this, not, this is not your own doing. This is not of your own strength, not of your own work, not of your own power. It's the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. See, our, our condition was serious. But the remedy was serious, sir. It was even more serious than our condition. <laughs> our condition condemned us to death, but Jesus paid it all. All the debt, all the, the price of our sin, Jesus paid it. What a wonderful Savior. Matthew twenty twenty eight, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and what? To give His life as a ransom. For many. He came to, to give it up, to, to, to ransom us, to, to, in a sense, to buy us back for God. First John 3:16. "By this we know love, how? That He laid down his life for us. It wasn't just a blood transfusion going on here. This was, this was life for life. He gave his life for us. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us and keeps on cleansing us from all sin. I like that. You like that? Say to somebody beside you, I like that. I like that. I like that. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and to help us remember this truth, to help us really uh, grapple with this truth over and over again, from time to time we celebrate communion in our church, and this morning is one of those days where we celebrate communion as a church family. And we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul writes, The Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So I... We have looked at this passage before and we have understood that uh, Paul is encouraging the church to take some time to really examine uh, themselves to see if there be any sin in their lives, if there needs to be anything confessed uh, to God so that they, they discern the body, the, the body of, of Jesus which was uh, nailed to the cross for us so that we don't bring dishonor to that act of, of, of Jesus' sacrifice. And, and so let's take a moment right now to 
individually and, and quietly and privately confess our sins to the Lord and seek His forgiveness. This is your time alone with God, so let's just create an altar right where you're sitting and bow in His presence and, and pray and take some time to just get right with God. Whatever that, whatever that looks like, whatever that feels like for you, whatever you need to do to say, Lord Jesus, I confess my sins to you this morning. Dear Father, for the, for the welcome we receive as we come into your presence, we, we praise you. And for the freedom to call you Abba, Father, we adore you. For the assurance of your daily mercies and steadfast love, we just worship you. There is no other God like you, none more worthy to be loved with all of our heart and soul, mind and strength. You know our weaknesses, Lord. You, you don't despise them. You know our brokenness and will not shame us. You know our sorrows and are filled with compassion. Lord, you, you know our foolishness and you just promise more grace. Thank you. With our eyes fixed on Jesus this morning, the author and perfecter of our faith, we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us corporately for hurting people that we love by our impatience and irritation, by our lack of love and lack of listening and our unkept promises. Lord, forgive us for thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought and for thinking of others less compassionately than they deserve. Jesus, please, please forgive us for giving more, more power and more thought to what other people say about us in public than what you say about us in heaven. Forgive us, Lord, for being too busy to behold your beauty in your word, meditate on your mercies, or even to hear you sing to us in the gospel. Forgive us, Lord. We, we desperately need your, your forgiveness and your cleansing today as a church. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on our church family. Our hope is built on nothing less, nothing more, nothing other than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And so we declare as a church family again this morning that we trust in His finished work and not in our vain promises. Forsaking all, we trust Him, Jesus. Thank you for listening to our confession this morning, Father. We heartily and gladly Receive your forgiveness today. In Jesus' name, amen.